0: Well, my text for this for this evening is verse twelve. We read the words that Jesus speaks in reply to the accusation of the Pharisees, where he says that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Indeed, this statement of Jesus is the most rich statement that he ever said. And you might say, well, there you go, overemphasizing. Uh, And I truly believe that there is no richer, no profound, no more profound statement than this that Jesus said. There might be those statements that our Lord said that rise up to the level of this one, but none surpass it. It's almost as the words of that uh, preacher that said, he might preach the gospel better than me, but he doesn't have a better gospel uh, than, than mine to preach. It's the same. But this passage is. This, this statement by Jesus is profound, is rich, is sweet to the soul. You see, this, by this statement alone, he, he curtails all the thinking of the self-righteous Pharisees they were criticizing him they were criticizing him uh, to his disciples your teacher sits down with sinners and tax collectors so you see the pharisees the pharisees thought that a teacher a righteous teacher a rabbi should only sit with those who were previously sinners those who had with perhaps some help from God. Yes, they wouldn't deny it. But those that had transformed themselves were then made were, uh, made proper to stand and to sit and to be with, a, with a, a teacher. So they criticized Jesus for sitting with sinners. Pharisees thought that a righteous teacher should not... Spend time with sinners before they changed. You need to change. You need to transform yourself before you can come into the presence of a righteous teacher. So they're basically accusing Jesus of being unrighteous. Of being being worse than the sinners that he sits with. But Jesus, so masterfully, so sweetly, and so brilliantly, he tells them. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I am that physician. I love that he puts this in, the ter- in terms of physical uh, sickness. He uses the physical sickness as a metaphor. Even today, and more so back then, sickness and healing is something that is outside of the control of the, the subject that is affected by sickness. Even today... You don't heal yourself. Even today, you 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 don't exercise any power to heal yourself. Especially back then, when the modern advancements of medicine were so uh, were were not available, you would not be able to heal yourself. You would not know. It's like it's it's a work of miracle. And Jesus says, it's not the healthy. That needs a doctor. But those who are sick. I have come. He later says in verse 13. For I did not come to call the righteous. In case they were not understanding the, the metaphor. I have not come to call the righteous. But sinners. Unto repentance. Jesus is inviting them. The Pharisees. And by the fact that these words are recorded for us. In this gospel. Inviting us. To see him as a spiritual physician. And to see him as a, physic- uh, a, a f- spiritual physician that does not have a, a, a GP surgery that people can go to. That it's actually him that comes and calls. It's a, he's a physician that does house calls. He walks to the people, as, as we just read in this passage in verse 9. He walks to the, to the place of their sickness, to the place where they are, and he calls them, follow me. He's a physician that goes house to house, knocking on the doors. Is anyone sick in here so that I may heal him? He's not saying by any stretch that the Pharisees were righteous. He's not saying that they were healthy. They perceived themselves to be righteous. They were self-righteous. But he's saying, I did not come for those. I came for those who know themselves to be sinners. To those who are capable of recognizing their need. The self-righteous is incapable of recognizing his need. He trusts himself too much. I'm good enough, I'm not sick, I'm healthy. I look I'm not certainly like the, my next-door no, next neighbor. You see, the new thing about Christianity, or the surprising thing about Jesus' message, is not that God saves sinners. No, no Jew, no, no Jew would ever deny that. The Old Testament is filled with statements that God saves sinners. What they misunderstood about the doctrine of God saving sinners is, that, is the assertion that, God's, that God loves and saves them as sinners. The Pharisees would say, of course God saves sinners. You first need to change yourself. You first need to do something. And this is why this statement by Jesus is so profound and so rich. Jesus is saying, I save them as sinners just as they are. I transform them, I heal them as sick people. A doctor does not minister, does not uh, act on those persons uh, on those people who th- see themselves as healthy. In fact, it can be quite uh, demeaning if there's a doctor coming and knocking at your door and he, if if people are sick inside and they say, well we, we are not sick you're, you're You're shaming that doctor. You're bringing him him into disrepute. But not Jesus. Jesus comes to heal those who are sick. He comes to call sinners to repentance. And yes, he was being criticized for spending time with sinners, but that was his ministry. That was what he came to do. He was always found alongside and in the midst of the common people. And that's why the Pharisees hated him so much. He was always found visiting, teaching, ministering, serving the common folk. Those who were considered great sinners. They were offended at this, the Pharisees. They complained about it. The Pharisees imagined that they were righteous. That's why Jesus says, I did not come to those who are well. I came to those who are in need. I came to those who are sick. They thought that they were whole. They were healthy and proper. But they imagined wrongly. But because of their self-righteousness, he says, I'm not suited for you. I'm not suited for those who think that they're well. I'm suited for those who recognize themselves as sinners. As those who need salvation. See, Jesus is indeed, it was an accusation as well by the Pharisees, but Jesus is indeed the friend of sinners. Truly the friend of sinners. He came not to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repentance. That's why he's exactly suited, fitted to be Their Savior. I want to consider as we look at this verse three doctrines by implication, three teachings that we have in this passage. They are indeed the heart and the soul of the gospel. That's why I say there is no statement more profound than this to be found. There might be others just as profound, but this statement is the gospel. It's the heart and the soul of the gospel. Firstly, that we have a need. That sinners have a need. Secondly, that Christ is the specialist. He is skillful, he is fitted to fix, to cure that problem. And thirdly, that he cures freely. No payment needed. So firstly, our need. Sin is here compared by our Lord Jesus as the disease of the soul. The sinner's state, Jesus says, is a diseased state. You're sick when you're a sinner. You're mortally sick. You could even say that you are dead because of that sickness. And The only reason why you still live, it's because of God's common grace forbearance. But you are as good as dead. It is a sickness that is, that is like the sickness of the, the physic, uh, uh, Hereditary. You inherited from your parents. We inherited our sinfulness state, our sinful state, from our parents. We were brought into the world with this sinner, sinful state, and that is true of all. David, the king, he said that, "Behold, I was brought forth; I was shaped in iniquity, and in my in sin did my mother conceive me." But you might say, oh, but that's unfair. How are you gonna fix that? Well, not only we are brought in sin from the womb, we go astray from the womb. We are sinners by our actions as well. You see, a sinner is not a sinner because he sinned once in his life and then he became a sinner. No, he sins because he is a sinner from the bottom of his feet to the, to the top of his head, there is no soundness in him. And we sin. We go astray. We speak lies. And if anyone denies this, it's because you've never seen a, a, a two-year-old child. You don't teach a child how to lie. You don't teach a child how to misbehave. You don't teach a child how to be aggressive. You very much have to curtail that and, and educate your children not to be Violent. If my two-year-old son was strong enough to kill me, at times when he's upset with me, he probably was. You need to teach him how to behave. And sin is contagious. We talk a lot about the contagiousness of, of, uh, of COVID over the last three years. Isn't sin contagious as well? We sin and we propagate sin to others and we hang with others and other sins kind of propagate to us. As the, the, the word of God says, that good company uh, corrupts good character. And the progress of sin is kind of like that relentless cancer, isn't it? Although it affects all our body, in some way it also expands constantly constantly methodizing into every nook and cranny of our being further and further. Just like with bodily uh, sickness, spiritual sickness, sinfulness, causes us to be weak. Causes us to, to be frail. That's why the Lord Jesus says, Without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. He makes us not only weak in spiritually speaking, he makes us stupid, fools. Our mental faculties are affected. We become careless, we become dispreoccupied because of sin in our lives. We reject the physician at hand. As you hear the promise and the offer of the gospel, you are so careless because of your sinfulness that you don't want to know. You are careless about Christ. Just as physical sickness destroys the physical beauty, you've seen people who are affected by some kind of malady that they, they've become, they become disfigured. It's the same thing spiritually. Spiritual sickness, sinfulness disfigures our soul. It makes us unpleasing to behold. Destroys all beauty. Ultimately, sin brings us to death. It kills us. Not only just the separation between the soul and the body, although sin brought death into the world, but also... Spiritual death, being estranged, separated from God. You see, sin eventually leads us to that place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, which is hell. We all are sinners, Paul says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. No, not even one, Paul says in Romans 3. There is no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. All together have become worthless. There is no one who does good. So you see, realistically, there is no one who is healthy. There is no one who is well and whole. There are many who think themselves to be well and whole. But in, alas, they are not. And it is the fact that we don't realize our need that actually makes us even more needful of it, because our sinfulness affects every part of our intellect and our intellect and our faculties. It's sin that causes our heart to be unwilling to listen. It is sin that affects our perception. Sin affects our spiritual eyesight. We cannot see. It is spiritual blindness. And I can prove this to you if you're a sinner. Why are you not alarmed at what I'm saying? Why are you so blasé about it? Why are you so unpreoccupied about what I'm saying? Well, because sin has affected your conscience. Because sin has seeped into your conscience that you've become completely unpreoccupied with the message. Can you not recognize the likeness of what I've been describing to yourself? It's because you're blind. Because sin has affected your eyesight. Can you not desire, do you not feel alarmed about what I'm saying? Well, it's because your heart has methodized, metastatized. sorry, it's a difficult word, but your heart has become like a rock because of sin. Your heart is diseased. It's a cancer. How many of you, if you knew that you had a cancer, would not run at the first opportunity to the doctors, to the GP's surgery, and would ask, Lord, uh, not Lord, would ask, please send me to a specialist. I need, I need to be fixed. I need to be healed. Because you know, the longer it goes without fixing, the longer it goes without addressing the problem, the harder it gets to fix. And you know the consequences of allowing a, a a cancer to run rampant it is a very dire diagnosis for those people who get walk into the gp's office or to the specialist's office to read to have the 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 reports read and he says look we've discovered cancer in your body it's too far gone it's very advanced it is a dreadful thing. That's why people are so concerned nowadays at the smallest inkling of pain, at the smallest uh, ache of the, of the body. They go to the doctor. They want to dispel any kind of threats. And if, if there's something, they want to tackle it as soon as possible. They, they have a sense of urgency because they know the dreadful consequences. Isn't it even worse with your spirit? The dreadful consequences of allowing sin to, to run rampant? Are you not alarmed? Oh, that the Lord would open your eyes to be. So this is our need. From the words of Jesus, We need a physician. We are sick. And the more you don't realize, the, the less you recognize the need for your physical, uh, for your spiritual healing, the more in need you are. The worse off you are. It's in latter stages if you don't see your need. Run to Christ. Plead with Him. Open my eyes, Lord. And why do I say run to Christ? Because number two, He is the physician. Let me, indulge me telling you a personal story to illustrate this point. But when my, uh, when my wife and kids moved to London a, a year and a half after I, I came, we had to do a lot of things and that I've never done in the year and a half that I was here. I never registered in a GP. I never needed uh, to, to go to the, to the hospital. But not least because of the kids going to school. We needed a GP, uh, to have them registered in the, in the local GP practice. A part of that registering uh, particular Celia, in the, my wife in the in the GP was that her records from Portugal, including her recent diagnosis with epilepsy, had to be transferred. And doing its doing their due diligence here, the the doctor wanted her to be seen by a specialist. And he booked this specialist. I didn't make much of it. But eventually, before the the booking of the specialist came in, uh, Sally became pregnant with our third child, with Martin. And then I started to become a little bit concerned because she's taking all this medication. Uh, How does this affect the pregnancy? How is this going to affect the child? One of the most assuring things that can happen in this kind of situation happened when we went to the first appointment in um, Charing Cross Hospital. We got into the, to the doctor's office and immediately said, I'm very happy to see you. This is actually a, a very providential, I didn't say providential, but this is actually something that I was looking forward to because I specialize in epilepsy, particularly the type of epilepsy that you have. So he was very happy to have Celia as a patient. He did all it. It's like for me, and I presume for Celia as well, for us, uh, we were very happy that we were in the right hands. No better hands than the hands of this doctor, worldly speaking, that is. He was a specialist. He apparently is one of the, the, the foremost uh, experts on, the, on this kind of epilepsy. He knows exactly the disease. He knows how to treat it. He has the best suited experience to fix it. Or in this case, to be successful in, in, in keeping it stable. How much more with Lord, Lord Jesus? He is the suited Savior. He is the physician of souls. He is the great physician of souls. His work, his mission, his qualification is precisely to save souls. No one else can save souls like he saves no one else can save souls at all, but he is suited. That's why the, the Pharisees were so wrong in finding him at fault for being around sinners. Where else would you expect the physician of souls, the friend of sinners, to be? Of course he's going to be with the sinners. He's a healer of sin-sick souls. Why? Because they are needy for him. And like a good doctor that understands his calling, his vocation, he is drawn to those that have, uh, that have a need for him. How much more our Lord Jesus, his vocation in coming to this world was to save sinners, to save, heal, to heal sin-sick sinners. That's who he came in the world to save. Not the righteous, he tells us. The sinners. So what is it that is keeping you from coming to the Lord? Either for saving grace or for renewing grace. Perhaps you have been one that has been healed already. Perhaps you have been regenerated already, but you have relapsed. Your sin is slowly creeping in your soul. Why don't you come to the, sin, to the sinner's friend? Why don't you come to the physician of souls? He came into the world for sinners like you, like me. He is wise. He is skillful. He is a specialist. He is the specialist. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. And he has been employed. He has been experiencing. He has been working in saving sinners, in healing sinners. For 6,000 years, ever since this, the first sinner needed to be saved. Our Lord Jesus, before his incarnation, was already practicing as a physician of souls. He has never once failed. Every single sinner he came to save has been saved. And unlike sometimes, you perhaps have this experience, you go to a doctor and the doctor is not really that pleasant have you ever been to a doctor and the doctor is kind of like a little bit aggressive? He's fed up that day. Perhaps he had a couple of patients just before who got into his nerve and you are going to receive the, you're in the receiving end of his a bad mood. The Lord Jesus is never in a bad mood, is he? He's kind, he's tender-hearted, he's willing. Never harsh word was spoken by him, was it? To sinners, to broken hearted sinners. I was talking with someone earlier last week about the fact that our Lord Jesus, we never see him actually speak harsh, aggressive words to broken hearted sinners. He does have some very strong words, but not to sinners in coming to him in repentance to those who are broken hearted, who know their state. He speaks harsh words to these kind of fellows, like the, the Pharisees. That's to those who is, is harsh. Because they're self-righteous. They think they, they do not need him. Sometimes doctors in this world, they fail. Their best efforts are not enough and the patient dies. No one who ever drew near to Christ, no one who was ever treated by Christ has, been, has died. All of them healed. All of them Fully saved. He's friendly. He's faithful. He's willing and he's accessible. We perhaps don't understand this as well, do we? Because we live in in the UK and we have the NHS, which is free at the point of contact. We'll talk a little bit more maybe about that, but he's willing and he's accessible. But sometimes we want to be seen by a specialist. We, We know that something is wrong, but... But we don't have access to that specialist. There's a long queue. There's a long waiting time. Not with Jesus. He always has time. He's always willing. He's always able. He's always accessible. He will always come to those who call him. He's always there. You don't need to send for him. You don't need an intermediary, you don't need a mediator, you don't need a GP to make write you a letter of recommendation, you don't need a pastor to pray for you. You can come to Jesus by yourself and it's fine. It's completely. It's it's the way that he wants it. Cuz ultimately he's the only physician of souls. No one else will do. You wouldn't search in the world for the cure to your cancer in uh, in an ophthalmologist and an eye doctor, would you? You understand that you need to have uh, the specialist, the person, the correct person to administrate the treatment. There's only one who can administer the treatment to your soul. And that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because the, ultimately, before we go on to the to the last statement, I do apologize. Before we go to the last statement, ultimately, unlike the doctors of this world, unlike the, the doctors of this world that perhaps went into the trade, into, the, into this vocation because they wanted the, and the, the pay, because the, their heart was in having a secure life, the status, many times people want to be doctors because they are forced into it by their families. There's a status about having a, a doctor uh, in the family. One of my sons is a doctor, and, uh, or, or perhaps the doctor goes because he, there is a good pay. Suppose that doctors are very well off. For Jesus, it's not only his work, is it? He didn't come to this as a profession. He does it for because it's his delight. And those are the, the best kind of doctors in the world, aren't they? The physical doctors. The best kind of doctors are those who have a love for the patient. Who do it not for the money... They don't regret the money, but do it for the for the love, for the for the calling. They they don't care about the money. In fact, some of the the the, the most altruistic doctors eventually go and 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 go into war-torn countries, to places where the health uh, system is not available, and they do it out of love, altruistically. Much more so with our Lord Jesus. He does not do it for any other reason, but His. Delight! It is his delight to heal sinners, to save sinners. So he is not only skillful, he is fitting. There is none better, there is none as good. He is the only one. He says to you and to me and to anyone, I, w- I will save you. Though your sins be as scarlet, he says. Though your sins be great and many. Though your sins were, will be as high as the mountaintop. Though your sins be as scarlet, you shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. That is what he says to you. And he's never once failed. In six, seven, eight thousand years of history, he has never once failed. And ultimately, ultimately, not only there there is this this implied teaching that we need as a physician for our souls. There's not only there is this in. Doctrine that Christ is the physician of souls who is fitted for purpose. Well, ultimately, we have the doctrine that he saves, he heals freely. No cost. Many doctors, as I was saying, seek to enrich themselves, don't they? That's why they came, come into, into, the, into the, to the field, into the practice. They, they are seeking to enrich themselves. Our Lord Jesus not only is seeking to enrich Himself, He enriches those who he, whom He heals. He enriches those who He comes to heal. It's free. One of the great problems, I don't think you need to be very aware of this. Uh, every day we're bombarded by this statement in the, in the news. Every day we read about it, every day we hear about it, is that the NHS is crumbling. Every, every, lunchtime news report every evening dinnertime news report there is one or or more than one report saying that the NHS is failing why because there's problems with the budget every single year when it comes to the time of doing the budget, I don't know how it's done particularly here in in the UK, but every year this is a problem common in every country of the world by the way, everywhere when it comes to the government's budget there's all kinds of acrobatics to try and make it fit, to try and make it work. Why? Because the NHS really is not free, is it? You don't pay when you go to it but it's an expensive operation and it's hard going and there's not enough money to go around to do all that is needed to do so we have queue times and and, uh, and, and not queue times we have uh, delays in people having appointments some of you know about this your appointment gets cancelled and there's not enough beds in the in the A&E. there's not enough beds in the ward there is not enough this that and the other Not enough last two or three years, not enough face coverings, not enough PPE, not enough uh, money to pay decent wages to the nurses. Why? Because money is limited. There's not an infinite supply of it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. It is not so with our Lord Jesus. His grace, His blood, is sufficient. He has enough; is sufficient to all who would come. We know it is only sufficient to those who do come, but it is sufficient because it is of infinite worth. Can you uh, comprehend? Can you uh, wrap your Head around what infinite means? I can't. That's why it is infinite. And his blood is of infinite worth. He cures freely. Why do I say that this is implied in this passage? Because he says, he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You might say, it is repentance something that you pay? No. Repentance is not a payment, is it? Repentance is very much connected to faith. He's saying, if you come, if you would listen, if you would pay attention, if you would repent, if you would turn from your sins, from, from Satan to serve God in newness of life, I'm here to heal you. I came to call you sinners to repentance. Repenting is not an action. Repentance is relying on someone. Repentance is saying, I don't have anything to bring you. I'm just going to turn to you. Because I trust you. Because I trust the message. Because I trust what your word says as the preacher was preaching. He cures freely, our Lord Jesus. Freely. Isaiah 55 Verse 1, God says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Oh, you who desire to be healed, come to the physician, and I will heal you without money. I will heal you freely, completely. My friends, you are either in, in the presence of God, I tell you this, we are all either mortally sick, and the only thing we have to look forward to is death, eternal death in hell, or we are under Christ's healing. Those those are the two ways. There's no other way. You're under. You're either dead in your sin and trespasses, s- sick with sin, with a cancer all over your body, or you have the healing power of Christ in your life. So, what, which is it for you? Are you under this physician's care? Have you seen your need? Have you felt your sickness? Have you personally applied to Him, come to Him? Have you personally called upon Him? Is your heart set against that sickness? Have you repented? Do you desire to have true health, true holiness? Or do you imagine that you're healthy when in fact you're sick to your core? To your deepest part. Are you like that church that we read in, in Revelation? That they thought they were rich. That they were splendorous. They thought they were increased in goods. That they lacked nothing. But actually they were wretched. Miserable. Poor. Blind and naked. Are you like the church of Laodicea? come to him, he loves to save I can promise you that I can I can state this with all confidence because of the word of God he loves to save sinners he can save the vilest you can trust him and if you do trust him he will say to you sinner, your sins are forgiven go in peace be of good cheer. Sin no more, he said to that woman. Let me say this to, the, to those of us who are perhaps healed by the Lord. Do you imagine that having been once healed, you need no more healing? Do you imagine that perhaps you don't need no more healing, that you in some way have been made perfect, that now you can stand on your own feet, two feet? Those are lies of the devil. We need just as much the grace of God when we start as when we're going. We need the grace to, to lift us up, and we need the grace of God to keep, keep us up. Beware of being relapsed into sin. Of backsliding into sin. Beware of, of, of allowing sin to once again take hold. It is very dangerous. King Hezekiah, he said in Isaiah 38, 15, What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul have you resolved to walk carefully and if you have healed if you have been healed by the Lord will you not tell it to others that you cross around in their life will you not pity those around you will you not pray will you not tell them about the salvation that is yours Will you not tell them of the love of Christ, the physician of souls? Will you not pray for them that the Lord would indeed come with his healing waters and heal their souls? And ultimately, will you not be thankful if he has saved you in this way? Will it not be in awe and wonder at his grace towards you that he should have ever looked at you, let alone save you that he should ever ever considered you, let alone heal you, cure you? Be thankful, admire, praise the doctor. Oh, if were, there were a doctor in this world that could heal cancer, he would be the receiving, on the receiving end of the praises of this world, wouldn't he? I'd say that a doctor invents the cure for cancer, that he and he alone can cure cancer, all kinds of cancer, blood cancer, uh, uh, prostate cancer, uh, uh, breast cancer. He can cure all of them, but only him. Oh, he would receive the praises, wouldn't he? He would be at the top of every chart. He would be the, the most influential man. The most worthy man in this world. Here is the one who can cure the, own, the eternal cancer of the soul. Many don't know about it because they are s- sick with this sin. But you know about it. You know about it. Will you not praise him? Will you not have him in the highest regard? And will you not tell others about him? May you do so. May the Lord grant you the desire to do so.